I'm Asmita and I'm Shruti Shri and welcome to Climactic Conversations. Climate change is complex. This podcast simplifies the science policy interface of climate change. It discusses how climate change impacts us and addresses the fundamental questions that are relevant to people's lives, businesses, governments and other stakeholders. Each episode aims to communicate the science of climate change and will focus on topics relevant to the 6th assessment cycle of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change or IPCC. The podcast is in close collaboration with the Global Center for Environment and Energy and the Stepwell Radio at Ahmedabad University. Listen on Google Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Climactic Conversations Trouble in the Haystack The Effect of Climate Change on Agriculture and Food Security A World Bank report in 2020 found that nearly 690 million people or 8.9% of the global population are hungry, up by nearly 60 million in five years. The food security challenge will only become more difficult as the world will need to produce about 70% more food by 2050 to feed an estimated 9 billion people. Climate change threatens our ability to ensure global food security, eradicate poverty and achieve sustainable development. Greenhouse gas emissions from human activity and livestock are a significant driver of climate change, trapping heat in the Earth's atmosphere and triggering global warming. Climate change's negative impacts are already being felt in the form of increasing temperatures, weather variability, shifting agro-ecosystem boundaries, invasive crops and pests, and more frequent extreme weather events. This podcast gives you a perspective on the challenges faced by the agriculture sector's extreme vulnerability to climate change and the solution measures one can undertake for mitigation and adaptation. Also, it will explore what a net zero future means for the agriculture sector. Dr. Shreya Shom is based in Kolkata and is currently working as a scientist in IPCC Working Group 3 Technical Support Unit. She is an economist by training. Shreya's research interests include emission trend analysis, sustainability and co-benefit analysis of various adaptation and mitigation options. She is particularly passionate about emission mitigation from the agricultural sector. Recently, she is also working on demand-side climate mitigation solutions and learning energy modelling. Let's see what our expert has to say. Yeah, so we'll just get started with the first question. So, Mm -hmm. a World Bank report in 2020 uh, found that nearly 690 million people, or about 8.9% of the global population, is hungry. And this will only worsen as the global population increases. What is the impact of our worsening climate and climate change on agriculture and food security, according to you? So there is a report on uh, climate change and land then that came out from IPCC in 2019. 
So that report says that the temperature over the land surface has already increased almost twice the global average. And this increasing impact on land are projected in the future as a result of water scarcity, wildfire, and permafrost thawing. And uh, moreover, in a uh, warmer climate, the capacity of land to store carbon can be reduced. So this leads to land degradation, which affects productivity, food price, therefore undermining food security. And despite increasing food production, an estimated 821 million people are undernourished. So uh, this is one of the impact. And the, another major impact is shifting climate zones. So studies show that in some regions, yields may temporarily benefit from warmer conditions. But in the future, climate change will cause declined yields, which will increase prices. It will have impact on food prices. It will reduce nutrients level and this will disrupt the food supply chain. So overall, it will have a negative impact on food security and also nutritional security. So obviously food insecurity is a global issue, but not everyone is affected by it equally. And it is often said that uh, those who contribute least to climate change bear the brunt of its consequences the most. So according to you, who will be the most affected? Food is one of the basic necessities. So there is no way to undermine food and nutritional security. So as you said, it, it will not be only the farming communities who will be affected. So everyone is going to be affected. So food insecurity will surge along with nutritional insecurity, which will have health implications. So we need to just understand the chain. So if there are food and nutritional insecurity, it will have health implications. So it is affecting SDG2 along with SDG3. And if we have health implication, this will reduce human productivity, which will have implications for economic growth and development. So, it, so the whole impact is like a vicious cycle. So it says it starts with SDG2, goes to SDG3, SDG8, SDG1. So it's like a vicious cycle. And since agriculture is the primary sector, so if that is facing negative impacts, all the sectors will face its ripple effects. So more or less, everyone is going to be affected. It's, it's Since it is uh, just the primary sector, so we should be very cautious of undermining food security and nutritional security. And so we have already seen a trend in India where farmers from drought-ridden regions or arid regions suffer immense financial losses, leading to socio-economic, socio-political conflict. So uh, according to you, what should farmers do to prepare for these adverse climate trends? Good question. So according to me, the preparation needs to start from the policymakers. So it should be a top-down approach. So first policymakers and researchers, and then it should flow down to the farmers. So the basic necessity now is to scale up sustainable practices, build capacity building programs for farmers, financial incentives, provide financial incentives to the farmers to adopt new practices. So there are uh, many pilot projects on climate resilient varieties of seeds which are happening in India. Uh, if I give you an example, so there are agricultural scientists who are trying to uh, find rice seed varieties that are both drought and flood resistant. 
So uh, scaling up such varieties through policies and awareness programs are needed and training agricultural extension agents so that they can help the farmers facilitating lab to land programs are some of the solutions that are needed to, to be adopted in India. Uh, if you say uh, specifically about farmers, then on farmer's side, I should say that they need to be more flexible. They should try to give up their orthodox practices and listen to the science. So it, it has always been a conflict of minds and experience. So basically, farmers think that um, they, are more, they have more practical experience and sometimes they don't listen to the science and don't change their resource extractive practices, you know. So here comes the roles of researchers, policymakers, extension agents. So they should be capable of making the farmers understand the issue. So policymakers and researchers should be convincing enough when they are uh, taking sustainable agricultural policies. So I would say they need to be uh, more good diplomats here and try to convince farmers to, to try and practice sustainable agricultural practices and techniques and also need to provide them financial incentives to adopt such practices apart from uh, capacity building programs and trainings. So furthering this question uh, from the IPCC's AR6 report, uh, we find that about like 21 to 37 percent of total greenhouse gas emissions are attributable to the food system. Uh, and these are from the agriculture, uh, agricultural sector, from storage, transport, packaging, consumption, etc. So what are some concrete steps that farmers and the government can take to reduce greenhouse gas emissions? Um, and given that uh, food demand which is just going to keep increasing, how can we produce more food while implementing adaptation and mitigation measures at the same time? Yeah, so in one line, I would say to scale up sustainable agricultural practices first. So in agriculture, you know, there are uh, several adaptation measures that have mitigation benefits as well. For example, climate smart agriculture. So climate smart agriculture is basically an adaptation practice that reduces greenhouse gas emission intensity, studies have shown. So scale up these practices. And in recent years, government of India has been advocating climate smart agriculture practices. And as an evidence, you can find find it in the economic survey report that came out in 2019. Uh, however, just advocating is not enough. So we need to uh, scale up these practices and policymakers should ensure that targeted financial incentives are provided because these practices and these technologies are expensive, especially for uh, small landholders and, and in the initial years, small landholding do not generate adequate income. And so farmers may find it unattractive because they have lower yield in the initial years and um, due to lack of expertise, they, are, they may not be able to handle new technologies. So research and extension services can help farmers to gain knowledge about these practices. And the second point is to make this a success, we need a paradigm shift in the data-driven technology generation process in our agricultural system. Also, there are um, a need for joint participation of government and private sector for technology evaluation, which can make them very effective. And international organizations are also working and national and state governments are also showing their interest to invest and scale out climate smart agricultural practices in various locations of India, especially in the south. And 
there are others. So Climate Smart Agriculture is a package program. And if we uh, think about single programs, which are very easy to implement and which are also working in India. So one of the success story from India is neem-coated urea. So neem-coated urea basically reduces nitrous oxide emission. And it is uh, India's indigenous technology. And it reduces emission from fertilizer use. So there is a huge problem of excessive use of nitrogenous fertilizer in India. And neem-coated urea has been able to reduce that emission. So this, this uh, program has been rolled out in 2015. And there are many other benefits of neem-coated urea as well. It is pest resistant. It increases soil fertility. And it improve, improves productivity as well. And it is mainly used for wheat and paddy. So there are practices that are already being taken in India. We just need to scale out and scale up these practices. Okay, and uh, speaking about sustainability, um, and you know, many people right now are more focused on being like more sustainable people, leading sustainable lifestyles and being more conscious consumers. But so the AR6 report speaks about the immense carbon and water footprint of agricultural produce, especially that of meat and dairy. And many are suggesting that veganism is the answer to this or the, you know, avoiding meat and dairy. So do you think that we need to change our eating habits and consume less meat and dairy to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions and be more sustainable consumers and people? Okay, so this is a very hot topic. Yeah, so there are reports that are saying that veganism is the only way forward. But, you know, the scientific evidences are saying that we should shift towards less animal red meat diet. So red meat is the key word here. This is because uh, livestock production and rearing is very energy and water intensive. Uh, this, the case is similar for processed food. But you know, for chicken emission is far less. So it is all about red meat. There are many uh, innovative forms that are coming up with plant-based meat. There are global movements like Meatless Mondays, which you all know about. So for me, if we talk about changing eating habits, I strongly believe it's more about our self-efficacy. So besides, so, so eating less meat or converting or avoiding um, meat is not the only solution. There are, there are other uh, options also that we can try. For example, uh, I am a strong believer of reducing food waste at consumer end. There are many options that we can take to reduce food waste in our day-to-day -day life. That too helps in re emission reduction because when we waste food, we waste all the resources and the emission that went into its production. So there are a lot of options that we can follow to reduce emission from food waste. Uh, it is, as I have already said, it is more about self-efficacy. So since it is our future, so I think we also need to do our part through changing our behavior. All right. So recently, uh, in the first week of November, representatives from countries globally, uh, they came to attend the COP26. And one of the uh, main major goals of this year's uh, discussion was to attain net zero. So could you please elaborate on what that term means? And do you think the Glasgow Climate Pact uh, will be enough to reach net zero? So we need to understand net zero what? So is it net zero carbon dioxide emission or is it net zero greenhouse gas emission? 
so scientifically reaching net zero ghg will take one or two more decades than reaching net zero co2 and so you can already see that there are many news which are coming up saying that 1.5 degree is still alive so there are there are uh, scientific evidences that are showing that net zero the the commitments may not be enough but they have asked the countries to produce enhanced commitments in in the next cop cop 27 so if you want me to relate this uh, glasgow climate pact with agricultural emissions so what i can say is agricultural emission is mainly in the form of methane and nitrous oxide so these are non co2 emissions and one of the great outcome of the of cop 26 is that 104 countries have promised to cut their methane emissions by at least 30% by 2030 and this includes eu and us the major red meat producing countries though this this needed attention long back but better late than never so these are the measures that that you eu and us um, have already taken before cop 26 so they are trying to reduce methane emission from livestock production and there are innovative solutions that are coming up like i have already gave you an example of plant based diet sorry plant based meat so if we want to see the or understand what is the impact of the pact on agricultural sector and emissions so let's wait for some more months targets for agricultural sector i would say the major challenge is just transition towards sustainable agricultural practices so this transition should not increase inequality it should not create stranded communities so sustainable transition in agriculture is very context specific and requires nuanced planning and policy framing as as you know it involves those last in the ladder so small and marginal farmers and various other workers whose livelihood depends on farming so if not properly planned it can disrupt livelihood it can lead to job losses and create stranded assets and communities therefore uh, from the point of agricultural sector policies need to be rightly designed so that um, the cost and benefits are distributed in a just and fair manner and i think that brings us to the end of our interview thank you dr shom for being part of this podcast and sharing your thoughts with us that's it for episode 3 of climactic conversations we'll see you in the next one